This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight's entertainment by featuring a detective with many bad habits. I'm referring to Nero Wolfe. This guy was something else. The series starred Sidney Greenstreet as Rex Stout's fictional Nero Wolfe, a brilliant, oversized, eccentric armchair detective. He was born in Montenegro and keeps his past murky. He lives in a luxurious brownstone on West 35th Street in New York City. He's loath to leave his home for business or anything that would keep him from reading his books, tending his orchids, or eating the gourmet meals prepared by his chef, Fritz Brenner. Archie Goodwin, Wolf's sharp-witted, dapper young confidential assistant with an eye for attractive women, narrates the cases and does the legwork for the detective genius. And tonight's episode is entitled, The Careless Cleaner. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you to the most famous brownstone house in New York City, the one located at number 601 West 35th Street. Oh, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf. Want something, Archie? Would you be interested in taking on a case involving a woman who was found stabbed to death in one of New York's fancier men's clubs? Can't you see I'm already occupied, Archie? My Oncidium hybrid is ailing. But, sir, cash... C-A-S-H. Remember, you need it to live on? Well, you're actually learning to spell. You'd better learn to count. We're broke. Thank you, Mr. Goodwin. Now, if you'll just go away and stop interfering. Oh, just a minute. Yes, sir? On your way out, switch on the fan. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's that one and only man of moves. The most famous detective in modern fiction. That corpulent, orchid-raising, beer-drinking gourmet who also happens to be a genius. Rex Stout's incomparable Nero Wolfe, starring Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight, Nero Wolfe's long-suffering assistant, Archie Goodwin, tells us of the case of the careless cleaner. Clay Michelson very well at the time, though Mr. Wolf had hung one of the Michelson's paintings on the library wall. But then I guess we should have considered ourselves lucky not to have known him or his wife, Fila. Two weeks ago, they had a quarrel. Oh? Oh, Clay, darling. I didn't expect you home so soon. I thought you were going to the museum to see the Van Goghs. I decided not to, Fila. Oh. Well, if you were... Plan to paint this afternoon. I'll get out of the studio. I want to run some errands anyway. Why don't you make your phone call from here, Fila? 
phone call? Who is he, Fila? He? Who were you waiting for this afternoon? Please, Clay, don't start that jealousy routine again. Don't try to kid me. You're being stupid, Clay. I'm stupid, all right, but I'm getting wise pretty fast. I'm through, Fila. I've had enough. I'm leaving you. So stay out of my way and keep your boyfriend out of my way, too, whoever he is, or I'll kill him. Yes? What can I do for you? Uh, Sleepy. I want to have a drink and go to bed. I'm sorry, sir. The Garrison Club's a private establishment. No rooms available to the public. You think I'm drunk? Oh, no, sir. Why why do you suppose I came here? Well, I'm sure I wouldn't know, sir. I'll tell you why. I came here to see my old pal, Lou Saunders. That's why. You know Mr. Saunders? Do I know? Look, I paint them, Lou sells them. Mr. Saunders is... Is your agent? I'm Clay Michelson. Just call Mr. Sonner. Clay, what in the world? Lou, tell this guy who I am. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Saunders. It's all right, Mr. Martin. You see? Let's go have a drink. Yeah, yeah, sure, Clay. You know what, Lou? I left Fila. Yep, I walked out on her. Is this something I can do, Mr. Saunders? Yeah, have someone fix a bed in the other room of my suite. Mr. Michelson will be staying with me. At least for tonight. Mr. Wolf? Yes, Ajim? It's Friday. Good. Fish for dinner, then. Nope. I was not referring to dinner. You were not? I can think of nothing more interesting at the moment. Oh, I can. My salary... Of course, according to the Julian Canada... We're on the Gregorian, so let's stick to it. Today is Friday. Today, I get paid. Archie, there's a drop. Oh, don't exaggerate. You can't be getting the cold shutters just because I'm asking for my money. I can distinctly feel fresh air flowing into the room. Well, it's possible I might have opened a window six inches. You're insane. Shut it at once. Nope. Are you trying to blackmail me? Hmm, you think it might work? Never. And the window stays open. You're fired. I accept your offer. All you have to do is pay up. I have hired you again. Oh, Mr. Wolf, you've cleaned out the bank balance again? Well, that is... <clears throat> well, had you seen those Miltonians... Would I have voluntarily given up my paycheck for them? Orchids are very beautiful, Mr. Wolf, but blondes are... The door, Archie. I am unemployed. Confound you, it may be a client, and if it is, and we can uh, extract a fee. You follow me, Archie? I'm already on my way to the door. Mr. Wolf, I've got to see him at once. Well, come in. Thank you. Mr. Wolf, this is... My name is Sanders, Mr. Wolf. We've met before. Yes, I remember. As a matter of fact, you sold me a painting of Michelson. Yes, well, that's why I'm here. It's about Michelson, Mr. Wolf, that I've come. Frankly, I... I think the man's about to go mad. He and his wife have split up and... and Uh, Such a splendid artist, too. A pity. I don't know what to do. He's drinking like a fish. For two weeks, I've been letting him live in part of my suite at the Garrison Club. But, uh, he's just steadily getting worse. I try a hospital. I can't. The publicity. Mr. Wolf, Clay admired you so that time we all had dinner after the painting transaction. I, I thought maybe you could talk to him. Maybe you could get him on his feet again. I'm not a doctor, Mr. Saunders. But I'm sure he'd listen to you. Excuse me a moment, Mr. Saunders. Nero Wolf speaking. Inspector Kramer. Uh, good evening, Inspector. Got a guy called Lou Saunders at your place? Garrison Club said he'd gone to your place. Yes, he's here. Well, see to it that he doesn't leave until I get 
hardly do that, Inspector. I have no reason to detain Mr. Saunders. There's plenty of reason. It so happens a woman's just been murdered in his suite. Murdered? Yeah. A Miss Hilda Lundgren. What's happened? Now will you hold him? Uh, do you know a Miss uh, Hilda Lundgren, Saunders? Hilda Lundgren? I've never heard of her. She seems to have chosen your suite to be murdered in. I'd better get right over there. Mr. Saunders says to tell you he'll be right over, Inspector. Now, listen, Wolf. Good day, Inspector. Murdered? Murdered in my suite? Mr. Wolf, you've got to come with me. Uh, Mr. Goodwin will accompany you after the formality of a retainer, Mr. Saunders. Oh, anything you say. Here. Here, I'll write a check. Good. Uh, 500. 500? Fine. My friend and assistant, Mr. Goodwin, will go with you. I have great confidence in his ability to bring back every detail of a murder, particularly where a woman's involved. Okay, you photographers, picnic's over for tonight. Pick up your stuff and get out of here. You sound real mean today, Inspector Kramer. Well, if it isn't Nero Wolf's favorite stooge... What are you doing here, Goodwin? I got bored with my knitting. Look, I wasn't asking for humor. I'm Louis Saunders, Inspector. Saunders? Ever seen that woman before? I... Yes. Yes, I believe I have. I can't remember where, but the face looks familiar. Mmm, lovely-looking woman. Blonde and really built. Well, she ought to look familiar. She's one of the cleaning women here at the club. She is? Cleaning what? Since when have gals like this been reduced to cleaning floors? What's happening to the world? There ought to be a law. Yeah, there is. She was killed with a knife, or haven't you had time to notice? Uh, that's not a knife, Inspector Kramer. That, that's one of Clay's Chinese letter openers. He, he... What was that? Well, nothing. Nothing at all. Yes, it is a strange knife. What were you saying, Mr. Saunders? I just, just said that that looked like one of the letter openers belonging to one of my friends. Who is this Clay? Clay Michelson, the artist. You can't possibly think he'd do a thing like this. I think everybody did it until we know otherwise. When were you last up here, Mr. Saunders? Me? Why, just a little while ago. I changed my clothes just before I went to see Mr. Wolf. She wasn't here then? Well, I don't know. I didn't come into this room, just in my part of the suite. Your part? Who occupies this room? Mr. Michelson has been staying with me. Strange wound, no blood. What do you think you are, Goodwin, a medical examiner? Oh, but yeah, I Yeah, want... yeah, yeah, the killer probably wiped the blood away. Saunders, have you any idea where your artist friend might have run off to? I haven't seen Clay all afternoon. He spends a lot of time down in the bar. Well, he'd hardly I... sit in a bar if he's killed somebody. But why would he pick on the cleaning woman? Oh, this is no ordinary cleaning woman. Get a load of that figure. Watch she's... it, Goodwin, watch it. You're liable to stretch your brain. But you're wrong. In spite of everything, Clay's still terribly in love with his wife. He, he, he wouldn't... Hello. Where did you get in? Yeah, who's this? Clay. We're your friends, Lou. They won't serve me any more liquor down at the bar. I gotta find my flask. Mr. Michelson, may I introduce you to Inspector Kramer of the police? Who's this guy, Lou? He's Nero Wolf's assistant. Wolf? Police? Well, what do you all want? Somebody park overtime? Where's my flask? The one with my initials. I just bought it this morning. Mr. Michelson, do you know that somebody was murdered here in your room? Murdered? Why don't you guys go away and joke with somebody else? Where's my flask? You better get hold of yourself. I said there's been a murder. Understand? You serious? Yep. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if Inspector Kramer here considers you top suspect. Me? They think I did it? You better pull yourself together, Clay. Yeah, because I got a lot of questions. Excuse me, the phone. Hey, sit down, Mr. Saunders. I'll answer it. Hello? This is Fela. Who is this? This is Inspector Kramer. Hello? Hello? Hmm. Who is Fela? Anyone know? Well, that's my wife. Your wife? I, I want to speak to her. Come back here, Michelson. Let me alone. I'm... You're not going anywhere. Now stay back there. You're wrong, Inspector. I am going somewhere. Junior's got a gun. Yes, Inspector. You should be more careful about your gun when you shove people. Now, look, Mr. Michelson, I'll I would see want... Mr. Wolf myself. Stay back, Inspector. You haven't got a chance. We'll nab you before you get a block away. Well, then I'll just jerk these phone wires. Yeah. And I'll lock the doors. That should hold you long enough. Good night. <laughs> Yeah, Wolf speaking. Wolf Kramer. Indeed. Clay Michelson may be on his way over there. Hold him until I get there. Hold him? Why? Not more than ten minutes ago, he held me up at the point of a gun. He carries a gun? It was my gun. <laughs> carries of you, Inspector. Ah. Goodbye. <laughs> Come in. Mr. Wolf? Yes. My name is Clay Michelson. Yes, I was rather expecting you. You've got to help me. They think I murdered someone. You shouldn't have run away from the police. I, I've been drinking a lot, but, but I wouldn't murder anyone. Fela'd tell you that. You're right. You see the model in that painting of yours I purchased? What difference does that make? I tell you, they're after me for murder. You obviously love your wife deeply at the time you painted her. Oh, here you are, Mr. Wolf. Michelson. Clay. Good Lord, man. The police are on their way over here. He came for my help, Mr. Saunders. Oh, I'm glad he did, Mr. Wolf. But we left Inspector Kramer talking from a phone booth. He'll be here any minute. And we have only a minute to decide why anyone would want to kill a cleaning woman. I didn't kill anybody. She was a beautiful woman, Mr. Wolf. I gathered that, Archie, from your unusual interest in the case. She was stabbed with a letter opener from Mr. Michelson's house. Which might add, Mrs. Michelson, to our suspect list. Fela, You can't suspect Fela. You're very gallant, Michelson. Just how was this beautiful young cleaning woman, this Miss Lundgren, stabbed? Um, in the heart. Her eyes were wide open, pupils dilated with shock. And Details I... later, Archie. Kramer will be here shortly. The moment I would like to know where everyone was. Well, Mr. Saunders was here with us, you remember. I don't know where Mrs. Michelson was, but I could go see her and find out. No, it won't be necessary, Archie. Mr. Michelson, where were you? Me? Why, but... I'm, I'm not sure. I, I can't seem to remember. It's hardly what we would call helpful. I, I was drunk. Maybe, maybe I went to Fela's. I've been over there lots this week trying to talk to her. Yet I, I must have gone over there. Have you ever seen the murdered woman before? No, I never saw her before in my life. I've seen her before, Mr. Wolf. Indeed, Mr. Saunders. I seem to remember your earlier statement to the contrary. Well, uh, I didn't know her name, but when I saw her, I remembered her. I understand she was quite an alcoholic. Hmm. Unfortunate woman. Beautiful woman. Well, look who's here, Inspector Kramer. Oh, here you are, Michelson. And as usual, you didn't have the courtesy to ring the bell, Inspector. And give you a chance to get this guy out of here? Nothing doing, Wolf. Now, come on. We're going to headquarters. Mr. Wolf, you can't let him take me. I didn't do it. 
I'm afraid there's not much I can do about it, Mr. Magnuson. Come on. You come along too, Saunders. I gotta get a statement from you. Of course. This way. Come on. Very well. I just got an angle. Really, Archie? Sure, it's simple. Saunders been going for this beautiful cleaning babe. Clay worms in. Saunders kills her. Perhaps there was jealousy somewhere in this case, Archie. Yeah, Wolf speaking. Mr. Wolf, this is Fela Michelson. You don't know me, but you once bought a painting from my husband. I've got to see you, Mr. Wolf. You've got to help me. Ah, hmm. This is Michelson. Have some of this delicious beer. Another can, Archie. And now, Mrs. Michelson, may I ask how you found out there was a murder in the first place? A policeman came to see me. He told me what had happened, that they were looking for Clay. I don't know what to think. He's temperamental, he's jealous, and he's sometimes violent, but I can't imagine anything like this. Not Clay. Maybe some of those friends of his, but... You uh, don't care for your husband's friends? No. They all live off him. They're leeches. Mrs. Michelson, did your husband come to see you this afternoon? This afternoon? No. Quite positive? Oh, yes. That was his alibi for the time of the murder. He said he went to see you. Of course, he was fuzzy, usual effect of alcohol on the brain cells, but... Uh... Uh, Mrs. Michelson, might I be a little indiscreet for a moment? Indiscreet? Have you been seeing some other man? I don't know what you're talking about. Please, Mrs. Michelson, I'm afraid your face gives away more than you tell. I thought we were here to talk about a murder, Mr. Wolfe. Indeed, but your husband's jealousy might well fit into that category. Oh, Clay, imagine things. You're a very beautiful woman, Mrs. Michelson. Now, if you will try telling me the truth, perhaps we can accomplish something. But I tell you... Uh... All right. So I thought I was in love with another man. Your husband suspected but didn't know. Hmm? No. Clay didn't know. He wouldn't have given me a divorce anyway. You sound as though you want your husband back. I did, but I didn't even know where he went. Indeed, Mrs. Michelson. Archie informs me that the murdered woman was quite lovely. What are you trying to suggest? You said yourself you wanted your husband back. Yeah, one woman jealous of another, that's always murder. Why, that's stupid. Clay wouldn't play around with a maid. That's stupid. Clay loves me. I'm not jealous of anyone. No one, do you understand? Archie. Have you see Mrs. Michelson home? Yes, sir. Thank you. I can find my own way. I prefer Archie took you, Mrs. Michelson. You wanted my help, didn't you? I... Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Michelson. If you will just wait outside for a moment, please. What have you got in mind, Mr. Wolf? Try exercising your own judgment just once, Archie. You mean she's the one who's jealous? Perhaps, Archie. Perhaps she may want us to think she was jealous. Perhaps she actually doesn't want her husband back at all, only to pin a murder on him. Oh. You see, in this case, it would be simpler than divorce. Yeah? Yeah, she might just be trying to get rid of him. She might, Archie. But then she's a woman, so don't count on anything. <laughs> she might even be telling the truth. This is where I live, Mr. Goodwin. Nice. Very nice. I like Greenwich Village. I'm trying to figure out why Mr. Wolfe sent you along with me. <laughs> I'm a sucker for beautiful women. <laughs> I wonder. Archie. Huh? Does Mr. Wolfe believe me? He hasn't made an official statement yet. Nice furniture and things. 
You sound like an appraiser or, or someone looking for something. That's because it's November. Mr. Wolf sent you to search my apartment. You could be wrong. I don't... Oh. What's the matter now? Thought you said your husband hadn't been here today. He, he wasn't. And what's his flask doing among these papers on the desk? Very prettily decorated with his initials. He was looking for it at the clubs. Flask? I don't know what it's doing there. Yeah, sure. You're trying to help, Clay. Right into the electric chair. But... His only alibi was his being here this afternoon, and you said he wasn't. Then what is his flask doing here? He said he just bought it this morning, so he must have been here today. I don't know what you're talking about. Where's your phone? Well, you've got things wrong. I don't know anything about that flask. I... Hey, the lights... Who switched off those lights? Feel it. Put those lights on. Put on those lights. Oh, oh, the lights. Get to the lights. That flask. Gone. Nero Wolf speaking. Vila, perhaps you might try the lost and found, Inspector. Now, look, I know she was over at your place. I thought you were interested in Clay Michelson. Well, I let him and Saunders go for the present. They're clean until I get the medical examiner's report. Oh, when will it be ready, by the way? An autopsy takes time, you know that. Where's the Michelson woman? I believe she had a date with Archie. Why do you want her? I'm sure it never dawned on you, Wolf, but this cleaning woman who was killed was some dish. Maybe Mrs. Michelson was the jealous one. Your thinking is beginning to bear an amazing resemblance to Archer's, Inspector. Also, it maybe never dawned on you that Fela Michelson hasn't offered an alibi for the time of the murder. Hmm. You're right, Inspector. Yeah, you are. Come on, Walt. Quit stalling. Where's Fela Michelson? Hmm? What? Oh, I really don't know, Inspector. But perhaps as a last resort, of course, you might try her home. Good night, Inspector. Ah, inevitable. The moment I'm comfortable. Come in. Mr. Wolf. Oh, thank heavens you're here. I always am. Where's Mr. Goodman? I don't understand how it happened. I swear I don't. What happened? I haven't got any idea how it got there. Got where? Calm down, Mrs. Michelson. I... Uh, now, just what got where? Clay's new flask. Your assistant, Archie, he, he came home with me and that new initial flask was there. He thinks Clay was there this afternoon and that I'm trying to frame him or something. Oh, here you are. She's here, therefore. This is our gal, Mr. Wolf. She's been lying right down the line. I tell you, Clay wasn't there. Then why did you give me this clout on the head and grab the evidence and run? I didn't. I didn't hit you. I ran, but I didn't hit you. And I didn't take that flask either. Oh, next thing she'll say, there wasn't any flask. Stop gaping at Mrs. Michelson, Archie, and open the door. Yeah, sure. Well, Mr. Wolf, they let Clay and me go for the... Peter. What are you doing here? After your visit this afternoon, Mr. Saunders, she decided to come down and see me. After my visit? What, what makes you think I was at Felix? It was Mr. Saunders, not your husband, who came to visit you this afternoon, wasn't it, Mrs. Michelson? I... I don't have anything to do with Mr. Saunders. Then might I ask why you called him today? I, I wasn't calling him. I was calling Clay. You told me earlier yourself that you didn't know where Mr. Michelson was. All right. So what if it was Mr. Saunders who came this afternoon? As he has for many afternoons. What are you trying to get at, Mr. Wolf? Saunders? He and Fela? 
Yes, Archie, Mr. Saunders, the artist's friend and agent, happens to be the one who was making a fool of the artist. But that's all over. I told him. That's what I was talking to Mr. Saunders about this afternoon. I didn't want Clay to know. Clay would never have come back. All right, so it was feeling me. I admit it, but that's not murder. I suggest that it is, Mr. Saunders. I suggest that one of you two murdered the cleaning woman. Whichever one of you carelessly left the whiskey flask in Feeler's apartment. This is murder, Mr. Wolf. Not a joke. Not at all a joke. You see, our cleaning woman was not murdered by the knife found in her body. She was poisoned. Poisoned? Not by the knife? Poisoned. She undoubtedly drank from Michelson's flask while she was working in his room at the Garrison Club. But she was stabbed. True. However, Miss Lundgren was an alcoholic. Saunders mentioned that, and I checked with the club manager. But how does that prove there was poison in the flask? That she was poisoned? Archie, would you mind repeating your description of the dead Miss Lundgren? First, uh, as to the wound. Okay. There was no blood. Someone advanced a fantastic theory about wiping the blood away. And now, Archie, the description of the body of Miss Lundgren. I mentioned the fact that her eyes were wide open, the pupils were dilated. Hey, dilated pupils? Yes, Archie. The lack of blood had already made me wonder about the entire affair. When you added the dilated pupils... What's special about dilated pupils? In death, that is a common symptom of poison by a certain vegetable drug of considerable potency. But what was the point of stabbing her? The poison did the job. However, the killer later used the letter knife in an effort to deceive the police. However, he unhappily forgot that the dead don't bleed. I think you're guessing, Mr. Wolf. Am I? All I can say is that I was at the pool in the early afternoon. Hmm. You're very certain you were at the club pool and the murder was committed, Mr. Saunders? Certainly. From one until three. Excuse me, please. Wolf speaking. Inspector Kramer, medical examiner's report just came in this minute. And get a load of this wizard. The dame didn't die of stabbing at all. I know. You know? She died of drinking a fatal dose of poison known as deadly night shade. What? How do you know that? Inspector, do they know what time she died? Time? The medical examiner says 2.30. Thank you, Inspector. Oh, incidentally, if you care to drop over here, you may pick up the murderer. Goodbye. I heard him, Wolf. She died at 2.30. As I told you, I was in the pool at 2.30. Which is exactly how you prove yourself a murderer, Mr. Saunders. I prove myself... Even the police didn't know what time she died. Until just now. And the body wasn't found until the evening. How did you know she died between 1 and 3? I I didn't know, but... You probably were at the pool at the time. The maid drank the poisoned whiskey. You put in the flask of your friend, Clay Michelson. I tell you, you're crazy. You planned to get rid of Clay, who stood in the way of your marrying Fila. When you came back to your room at three and found that the maid had drunk it instead, you stabbed her with Clay's letter opener to cover up the real cause of the murder and throw suspicion on Clay. Oh, this is nonsense. Ridiculous. And then, when you learned that the woman for whose love you were willing to commit murder was through with you, you took Michelson's new flask to Fila's home, confident that it would be found there. Yes, and then he attacked me and stole that flask again in order to make it look like Fila had done it. Exactly, Archie. Mr. Saunders, the chances are that your fingerprints will be found on that whiskey flask. And they'll be able to trace the poison to wherever you purchased it. The chances are... Oh, no, you don't. 
Careful now, all of you. Don's bore me, Saunders. Oh, yeah? I'm leaving. Clay. Yes, Mrs. Michelson, your husband has been there for some time. Clay, are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Well done, Mr. Michelson. I think you proved that an artist's life may indeed be exciting. I have been an awful fool, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Michelson, you might remember for the future that unreasoning and unjustifiable jealousy sometimes creates the very conditions that it fears. You're being very kind to me, Mr. Wolf. How can we ever thank you? My prompt remittance of your check on receipt of my bill in the morning. <laughs> Good day, Mr. and Mrs. Michelson. Good day, Mr. Wolf. Good day. What's the matter with Archie? You look glum. Yeah. I always have the lousiest luck. Meaning? A hectic case with two beautiful dames. Michelson gets one, the undertaker gets the other, and what do I get? Hey, that reminds me. You got a fee. I get paid. <laughs> you have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. <laughs> Tonight's transcribed story was written by Cheryl Hendricks and based on the famous characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Larry Dobkin as Archie Goodwin and Betty Lou Gerson, Howard McNear, Dan O'Herlihy, Vic Perrin, and Bill Johnstone. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Beautiful Archer. Don Stanley speaking. <laughs> Stay tuned for Eve Arden as our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a visit to the English teacher at Madison High, our Miss Brooks. The show was a hit on radio from the very outset. And within eight months of its launch as a regular series, the show landed several honors, including four for Eve Arden, who won polls in four individual publications at the same time. She was a hit with the critics, too. A winter 1949 poll of newspaper and magazine radio editors named her the year's best radio comedian. And now the story of Puppy in Love and Mr. Barlow. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. And Palm Olive Shave Creams for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave bring you Our Miss Brooks, transcribed and starring Eve Arden. Once again, for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, like most school teachers, Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, has been exposed to her share of puppy love. I'll say I have. It's getting so I can't look a puppy in the face without flinching. <laughs> but the kids at school are nothing compared to the case I discovered at home between my landlady, Mrs. Davis, and Horace Barlow the school's new Janet, a basement custodian. <laughs> Although she met him a week ago at a school tea, 
Up until Thursday morning at breakfast, she kept denying anything but a passing interest in him. Please, Tommy. Just because Horace Barlow has been over a few times is no reason for people to jump to conclusions. My goodness, Horace isn't jumping to conclusions. At his age, Horace is lucky if he can limp to conclusions. <laughs> but I've seen you two together, Mrs. Davis. As and... far as I'm concerned, I think of Horace as just a real nice boy. And he is, too. A real nice 68-year-old boy. <laughs> he happens to be 54, Connie. He told me so himself. I know, Mrs. Davis. And Jack Benny is 39. <laughs> Not that I'm criticizing your friendship. Far from it. I'm delighted that Horace is so genuinely fond of you. Oh, Connie. Horace doesn't even know I'm alive. Well, don't let that worry you. It's hard to tell about him most of the time. <laughs> Anyway, I'm simply not interested in anything but the most casual relationship. Heavens, if I were thinking seriously, I'd try to find out something about the man, wouldn't I? Haven't you? Definitely not. I'm not even mildly curious. I haven't the slightest idea where he keeps his $10,000 life insurance policy. <laughs> and I have no knowledge whatsoever of how he got his leg wounded in the Mexican War, for which he gets a $53 a month pension. <laughs> Why, I don't even know in what bank he keeps his $2,619 savings account. Shame on you. You haven't even got his social security number. S-498-265. <laughs> Oh, that's Walter Denton. He's driving me to school. Be right there, Walter. Now, is there anything you want me to say to Mr. Barlow for you if I happen to see him at school? Not a thing, Connie. Okay. There's no necessity of even mentioning to him that I'm not busy tonight. I see. And there's no need for any remarks about the cake I'm baking today being too big for one person to finish alone. I'll be as silent as the tomb. And above all, it would be utterly shameless if you were to hear that I don't want to waste the box of cigars I bought yesterday. <laughs> you can trust me implicitly, Mrs. Davis. I won't say a word to Mr. Barlow. I'll just hit him on the head and drag him home. <laughs> me up early this morning, Walter. I've got an errand to do for Mrs. Davis before my first class. I'll get you there with the speed of a gazelle, Miss Brooks. <laughs> oh, well, by the way, how's Mrs. Davis's romance with Mr. Barlow coming along? Oh, have you noticed that, too? I think it's the cutest thing in the world. Mrs. Davis actually has a bad case of puppy love. It is cute, considering she's in her second puppyhood. <laughs> No disrespect intended, you understand. After all, what could be more romantic than two lonely old people encountering the grand passion in the sear and yellow leaf of life? Why, oh, that's absolutely poetic, Walter. The burning desires of youth long past, they look now for the subdued glow of companionship, the warm and simple pleasures that two elderly people in love can share together. I can see them now, soaking their feet in the same pan of Epsom salt. I'll bet you'd like to find romance at that age, Miss Brooks. At the rate I'm going now, I'm counting on it. 
But, Walter, I'd just as soon you don't mention the subject at school. It might be a source of embarrassment to Mr. Barlow. My trap is sealed, Miss Brooks. Now, what's the errand you're going to do for Mrs. Davis this morning? Well, off the record, I'm going to invite Mr. Barlow over to the house tonight. He's been a little backward about asking for a date. I get it. You're Mrs. Davis's John Alden. Now all you got to do is get Mr. Barlow to invite Mr. Boynton over for you, and you're all set. <laughs> Meetings adjourned. Hi, Miss Brooks. You're pretty early today, aren't you? Hello, Harriet. I've got to deliver a message to the custodian. Have you seen him? Oh, yes. Mr. Barlow just went into his office. Isn't it wonderful, Miss Brooks? I don't know. I've never been in his office. <laughs> I mean about Mr. Barlow and Mrs. Davis. They're crazy about each other. Of course, it's a big secret. Couldn't be a bigger secret if they took out an ad. <laughs> Is there anything more romantic than the mellow romance of old age? Now, please, Harriet. To think of two people finding love at a time of life when others are preparing to pass on. <laughs> two people walking hand in hand in the twilight of life. Yes, there's nothing like a brisk walk before passing on. <laughs> well, I won't keep you any longer. Far be it from me to delay Mrs. Davis's emissary of love. Good luck in your mission, John Alden. Thank you, Priscilla. Come in. I hope I'm not disturbing you, Mr. Barlow, but there's something I wanted to ask you. Well, then go ahead and ask. If you want to get apples, you got to shake the tree. Now, what is it? It's just this. I was wondering if tonight, that is, if you haven't any other plans... Mrs. Davis isn't doing anything, and I'm sure she'd be pleased if you wanted to drop over. Well, that's right neighborly. Would uh, you like me to drop over? Of course. I'm sure you and Mrs. Davis will have a lovely evening together. Are you planning on staying in, Miss Brooks? I suppose so, Mr. Barlow, but I'm sure that at your age you don't need any chaperone. You're right about that. Maybe we could send Mrs. Davis to a movie. <laughs> Davis to a movie? Sure. Oh. oh, there's no sense in my trying to hide it any longer. Why, the only reason I've been coming around Mrs. Davis's place is to be near you. Near me? But you, you've been making dates with Mrs. Davis. Well, naturally. you got to slip the drones a little, honey, if you want to get next to the queen bee. <laughs> you, Mr. Barlow, are barking up the wrong hive. <laughs> This is ridiculous. I, I simply can't believe it's even happening. I couldn't believe it myself. I just couldn't understand the feeling that swept over me when I first saw you, Miss Brooks. In fact, since that time, I've had my glasses changed twice. <laughs> but it's still the same. I keep asking myself, where have you been all my life? <laughs> Three quarters of it, I wasn't even born. <laughs> Look, Mr. Barlow, there's a, there's a great difference in our ages. Oh, nonsense, Miss Brooks. I just don't believe in age. 
Well, neither do I. I've been standing it off for years. <laughs> I mean, if you'll think this over for a while, you'll realize that it just couldn't work out. Why not? Is there somebody else playing the piano in your front parlor? <laughs> no, but Mr. Boynton plays the ukulele on my back porch. <laughs> We've been going together for quite a while now. You mean that biology fella? Oh, shucks, he's just an unsophisticated kid. Why, you couldn't warm him up if you stuck a Bunsen burner under him. <laughs> You've been peeking. <laughs> that is, Mr. Boynton's just shy about expressing his feelings. He ain't got no feelings, if you ask me. Leastwise, not like I have, especially since I met you. Why, I just knew today was going to bring some excitement into my life. I got the strangest sensation right after breakfast. Maybe something fell into your gruel. <laughs> There's no two ways about it, sis. I'm smitten. <laughs> well, would it unsmit you if I told you that I was engaged to Mr. Boynton? Engaged? Oh, but he wasn't even over to your place the night I visited Mrs. Davis. He must have been working. If you come over tonight, I'm sure he'll be there. Well, seeing is believing. Well, I'll drop by, Miss Brooks, but I still say when it comes to your bringing me messages from Mrs. Davis, speak for yourself, John Alden. There's no use talking. These man-tailored suits have got to go. <laughs> chagrin to find out that Horace Barlow was more interested in me than he was in Mrs. Davis. This was one triangle I was determined would not be eternal, not even overnight. Therefore, at lunchtime, I headed for Mr. Boynton's table in the cafeteria. But just as I got halfway to it... <coughs> oh, Mr. Conklin, I'm terribly sorry, sir. You're slipping, Miss Brooks. <laughs> You only knocked two dishes off my lunch tray today. I guess I didn't watch where I was going. Obviously. When you do, you get the whole tray. <laughs> well, luckily, nothing happened to your apple pie. The plate is broken, but the pie is intact. Here. Thank you. Even more luckily, nothing seems to have gotten on my clothes. No, sir. I've never seen you look so neat. White carnation and all. I spoke too soon. That's vanilla ice cream. <laughs> this never would have happened, sir, but I'm terribly preoccupied today. This must be preoccupied day at Madison High. I've had nothing but trouble with our new school custodian for the same reason. You mean Mr. Barlow? Yes, yes. He forgets about the furnace. He forgets to fix the pipes. The old goat acts as if he was in love. Maybe he is in love. Mr. Barlow? But who could a 70-year-old codger be in love with? He happens to be 54. Yes, and Jack Benny is 39. <laughs> Horace Barlow in love. Oh, at his age, he probably can't tell the difference between a woman and a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Well, if you'll excuse me, I'll be hopping off to lunch. 
no doubt I'll run into you later in the day, Mr. Conklin. It is with that thought in mind that I carry every possible form of accident and hospitalization insurance. <laughs> Good day, Miss Brooks. Good day, Mr. Conklin. He's got a lot of nerve. Just because a person's lived a few more years than some other person. I don't like to interrupt, Miss Brooks, but if you keep talking to yourself, you'll make an eavesdropper out of me. Oh, I'm sorry, Walter. I've had a little shock this morning. You see, I spoke to Horace Barlow a short time ago about making a date with Mrs. Davis. What'd he say? He says he's not interested in Mrs. Davis. He's smitten with somebody else. Somebody else? But he can't do that to Mrs. Davis. Oh, she's a very sensitive little lady, and she's nuts about him. She'll be terribly hurt. That's what I'm afraid of. He doesn't know when he's well off. I'd like to see the hunk of crow bait he's fallen for. <laughs> now, just a minute, Walter. It so happens that Mr. Barlow thinks he's in love with me. With you? But that's illegal. <laughs> it's unthinkable. It's a... Let's just call it unusual. <laughs> Actually, Walter, I'm extremely worried about the situation. Mrs. Davis and I have been friends for too long to let a thing like this come between us. Well, why don't you just tell old Barlow to go peddle his papers? I did, practically. I even told him I was engaged to Mr. Boynton. That's what I'm worried about. They're both coming over tonight, and I've got to prove it. Well, what's so tough about that? I'm sure Mr. Boynton will cooperate. You are? Sure. For one night. Oh. <laughs> now, the next thing you got to do is get Mrs. Davis out of the house tonight. Because if she caught you and Mr. Boynton acting as if you were engaged, she'd know something was rotten in Denmark. <laughs> what a sweet way to put it. But, Walter, how do I get Mrs. Davis out of the house? Easy. There's an old bachelor friend of my dad staying at the house for a couple of days, uh, Mr. Gordon. I'm sure he'd like a date with a nice, clean-cut character like Mrs. Davis. And I'll ask her to go out with him as a favor to my folks. What about Mr. Barlow? She expects him tonight. Just tell her he couldn't make it. Say his blood pressure hit a new high or something. <laughs> now, you go find Mr. Boynton, and I'll call home and make sure Mr. Gordon's available to act as Davis bait for the evening. <laughs> See you later, Miss Brooks. All right, Walter, and thanks. Me and the night and the music. Da, 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 da. Oh, Mr. Boynton, I've got to talk to you right away. What's wrong, Miss Brooks? It's about Mrs. Davis. You know, she's got a crush on the school custodian, Mr. Barlow. But unfortunately, he's head over heels in love with somebody else. <laughs> Please, Miss Brooks, don't, don't make me laugh while I'm drinking coffee. Mr. Barlow's an old man. What kind of a shriveled up prune could he fall for? <laughs> Why does it have to be a prune? For all you know, Mr. Barlow could be crazy about a nice, young, firm, fuzzy peach. <laughs> Besides, he's only 48. He's 70 at least. And not what you'd call in prime condition. Why, his hyperthyroidism is apparent, and his incipient arteriosclerosis masking cardiac decompensation was evident to me after one glance. Good thing you didn't take a second glance. He'd be a goner. <laughs> the truth is, Mr. Boynton, that Mr. Barlow's been coming to our place just so he could be near me. <laughs> If I'd known you were going to get so excited, I'd have worn my raincoat. <laughs> Here, use this napkin. Uh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but I, I couldn't help exploding. Do you mean to tell me Mr. Barlow is in love with you? That's right. We hyperthyroids have to stick together. 
Look, Mr. Boynton, I know it's an absurd situation, but my only real concern is Mrs. Davis. I've got to discourage Mr. Barlow once and for all, and you've got to help me. Me? What can I do? Well, he's coming over to our place tonight. I invited him this morning on behalf of Mrs. Davis. That's when he told me how he felt about me, and that's when I told him something utterly fantastic. What did you tell him? That you and I were engaged to be married. Here's the napkin. (laughs) Engaged to be married, but... Miss Brooks, that's utterly fantastic. I'm glad I said it first. (laughs) Don't you see, Mr. Boynton, this is very important to someone who's very important to me. Mrs. Davis is just about the best friend I've got. Well, if that's the case, Miss Brooks, I guess the least I can do is cooperate. Will you really, Mr. Boynton? Sure. For one night. Oh, boy, I'm full. That was a very fine dinner, Miss Brooks. I'm glad you liked it, Mr. Boynton. I opened it all by myself. (laughs) I hope Mr. Gordon took Mrs. Davis to a nice place for dinner. He appears to be a jolly old fellow, doesn't he? Yes, indeed. I noticed he gave you a pretty thorough once-over when he was introduced. You seem to pack quite a wallop for these elderly Joes. (laughs) That's me. The Cleopatra of the cardiac case. <laughs> but I'd better clear away these dishes. Mr. Barlow will be over any minute. Oh, if that's the case, shouldn't we be getting into the mood? The mood? Oh, yes, we're supposed to be engaged, aren't we? Oh, that mood. <laughs> I'm Mr. Barton. I can hardly believe my ears. Why? There's no sense making a chore out of this thing. We might as well have some fun doing it. <laughs> Fun doing it? Certainly. Now, now let's get started. Get started? The quicker the better. Quicker the better? Of course. Come on. Come on? I mean, come on. (laughs) Sure. You wash and I'll dry. (laughs) So much for the hopes of Connie Brooks, girl dreamer. (laughs) Look, Mr. Boynton, working in the kitchen is the way married people would get into the mood. Engaged couples do their work in the parlor with soft light. Okay, we'll take a big basin of water and do the dishes in the parlor. (laughs) Sometimes I wish you were ugly. Come on, Mr. Boynton, I'll attend to the dishes later. Let's sit down in the living room, hmm? All right, Miss Brooks. It it isn't too healthy to commence working right after a meal anyway. That must be Mr. Barlow. Just make yourself comfortable. I'll let him in. Well, here I am, Brooksy. It is a fiddle and twice as musical. Come in, Mr. Barlow. <laughs> I fixed a little dinner for my fiancé this evening. We've just finished eating it. Follow me, won't you? Your fiancé? Oh, then you mean you actually... Hello, darling. Did you miss me? Miss you? I hated to leave you alone for so many seconds, but... I just had to let Mr. Barlow in. You remember Mr. Barlow, don't you, dear? Oh, of course. How are you, Mr. Barlow? Snappy's a cookie and twice as full of ginger. (laughs) But let's get to the point. Miss Brooks here told me that you two are engaged. Is that true? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Well, then how come nobody around school heard anything about it? Because we wanted it that way. We've been secretly engaged for over six months now, haven't we, darling? We certainly have, Miss Brooks. (laughs) Miss Brooks 
Why does he call you Miss Brooks if you're going to be married? He doesn't like any display of affection in front of company. Let's sit down, shall we? Mr. Barlow, draw up a chair, won't you? And, sweetheart, you draw up a chair and we'll sit down. <laughs> we? But, Miss Brooks, I worked out with the basketball team yesterday and my knees are a little weak. It may be a foul, but I'll never get a shot like this again. <laughs> sit down, dear. There we are. Comfy? Uh, yeah. Huh. Seems mighty strange to me. Most engaged folks I've seen act a little more demonstrative than you do. But we're mad for each other, aren't we, darling? Yeah, mad. <laughs> you know, dearest, you, you haven't kissed me in five minutes. What? I said you haven't kissed me in five minutes. What are we going to do about that? Let's wait another five, huh? Well, what's the matter, darling? You want to kiss me, don't you? Uh, maybe it's me, Miss Brooks. No, I'm positive he doesn't want to kiss you. <laughs> oh, you mean he doesn't want to kiss me in your presence? I'm sure that wouldn't stop my great, big, handsome lover boy, would it, dearest? Certainly not. Give me your cheek. There. Wow. Now, how about one to get me down off the ceiling? Uh, maybe I ought to go But why, Mr. Barlow? You just got here I know, but won't I be interrupting something? Only if you go I mean, stick around a little while longer I'll see who it is Don't move, either of you Sorry I had to disturb you, Connie But I forgot my key again Mrs. Davis, what are you doing home so early? Here, let me help you off with your coat and eyeglasses Mr. Gordon showed me the most wonderful time, Connie. But he has a business appointment first thing in the morning, so we had to cut our date a bit short. Oh, uh, who's that in the living room? That's Mr. Boynton. Oh, I see. And who's the man in the other chair? That's Mr. Boynton, too. He's awfully restless tonight. <laughs> oh, now I see who that is. It's Mr. Barlow. But you told me he wasn't coming over tonight. He must have changed his mind. Listen, Mrs. Davis, when two people have a beautiful friendship, they've got to do everything in their power to keep it from breaking up, right? Oh, let's talk later, dear. I've got to get these shoes off at once. Mr. Gordon just danced my tootsies into a stupor. He's a wonderful man, Connie. Uh, that's why I want you to do me a little favor. A favor? Yes, when you go back into the living room. What do you want me to do, Mrs. Davis? Brush off that other old creep for me, will you? <laughs> You mean Mr. Barlow? Yes, I haven't the heart to hurt his feelings. Well, it'll save a lot of explanations, I guess, but I know I'm going to get two birds with one stone. What do you mean, Connie? As soon as the old duck is gone, my little lovebird will take off like a wounded pelican. <laughs> Now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, I told Mr. Barlow that Mrs. Davis had returned home with a bad headache, and he left the house after threatening to call her up very soon. Then, as I was about to barricade the door against Mr. Boynton's next move, he addressed me. Well, I'm sorry Mrs. Davis doesn't feel well, Miss Brooks. Is she lying down in her room? Yes, she is, Mr. Boynton. Well, that leaves just the two of us, doesn't it? Yes, but don't be nervous. 
It's much too early for you to think of leaving. Oh, I'm not thinking of leaving, Miss Brooks. You and I still have plenty of unfinished business to attend to. Unfinished business? Oh, certainly. You and I? That's right. After all, somebody's got to do those dinner dishes. Suppose you wash and I'll dry. <laughs> Better yet, you wash and dry. I've got another engagement. Oh, another engagement? Sure. If I hurry, I can catch Mr. Barlow before he gets on the bus. <laughs> Mr. Fern Smith reminding you to tune in next week to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Palmolive Shave Creams for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis with the music of Wilbur Hatch. If you like mysteries that are as full of chuckles as chills, be sure to hear Mr. and Mrs. North every Tuesday over this same network. Don't miss the exciting and laughable adventures of these amateur detectives. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This program was transcribed. Stay tuned now for Jack Benny. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Shadow, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.